m'appelle Marie et je suis une fervente auditrice de la vérité romantique à Marseille, en France. Please be advised that the content of this show is for adults 18 and older, due to mature topics and subject matter. Welcome all to another exciting episode of the Romantic Truth Podcast. Here's your host, my lovable ex, Jazen in Las Vegas. Hi everyone, Jocelyn with you here, Romantic Truth, Las Vegas. I hope everybody's doing well today, keeping it real. Let's talk about the residual X. That's what I used to call this particular type of phenomenon. Now, the residual X is a mindset that a person may have from someone they dated that met the criteria that they were looking for and for whatever reason the relationship didn't develop or didn't evolve or didn't go forward. In some cases, it could actually be the way the person perceives the person they would like, even though they have not dated someone like this before. Now let's look at some of the things that they want to have based on their preferences usually, the size of the person the person's features, the build of the person, maybe their eye color, hair color, race, skin tone, religious beliefs and philosophies, the region of the country that they may be brought up in, proximity, the closeness of where they should be from the person, height and weight, familial background, age range, music, culture, taste, lifestyles, morals and values, and priorities. These are some of the staples that people will set when it comes down to, and there are many more, depending on how you want to go into it, but these are just some of the fundamental staples that people may have as must-haves for people that they're interested in being with. Now, what you will see that will happen is, take for instance a person wanted these characteristics and a person they were looking for, especially when it comes down to their first relationship. And let's say that relationship was not so pleasant. There were certain aspects of it that really didn't measure up. It's not uncommon for a person seeking a new relationship later on after they've recovered from the past one to have some differences. So what they would look for mainly would be some of the characters that are like lacking. Now usually in an initial relationship you pretty much got what you wanted as far as the features and those kind of things, the physical aspect of it. So what are some of the differences that they may look for in a new partner? probably a difference in personality, maybe in some sort of physical appearance, maybe in sort of background, maybe in philosophies to a degree, or even race, culture, or gender for that matter. They may be looking for a little bit more diversity going forward than they were before. Usually when we start dating in the initial stages, we're very conservative about what we want, the type of person we want, and it's usually very rigid with 
very low tolerances. You'll see some women that will start out this way as far as looking for a guy and he must have these things and there's nothing short of that. Anything less than that is less than and therefore they're not interested. And so therefore they bypass a lot of good men in order to get to a bad one many times over because they don't have an attention to detail in respect to what is actually going to benefit them and what's going to set them back because what they want is far more important than what they need and unfortunately this is how a lot of women wind up in bad relationships initially because they're going for those things that they have on that list of sorts that they have now after a person has failed at a relationship for the things that they wanted they usually look for the things they need in the second time around or third time around in some cases some people don't even learn and they keep making a perpetual mistake these are the people that are perpetually out on the dating scene looking for love specifically and not looking at it as a lifestyle and they wonder why they never can find the right person and it's because those same characteristics they're looking for in that individual they may find in someone else but they have not advanced in the criteria they just stayed static and so this is how you see a lot of people wind up with a good-looking person that has the charisma they get lied to and then before you know it they're back at square one again they don't advance it beyond that now the problem is the two times you'll probably be really set in your ways in life when you first start dating because you're really kind of insecure about the decisions you make because of the fact that this is your first time doing it and you don't want to look like an idiot and the pressure is on you to get it right and so you become very conservative in what you want when you're older you tighten the grip again but see it's a different group of circumstances here you've been through some things and now you specifically want these characteristics out of a person because you need them more in your younger years you wanted them more but you got to remember you had a lot of anxiety when you were younger when you're older you have more wisdom so you can have an idea of a better choice now that interim period in between is where many people grow that means that they expand their tolerances they understand themselves a little bit better they understand what they're dealing with a little bit better and they realize that hey life is not a checklist where everything is going to work as planned but going into relationships naively in the beginning you take on that philosophy but as you go and grow you then learn more of what you need in a relationship and what you need out of a partner and for some people they don't like the word need because it sounds like you're begging for something well no matter how you look at it you are 
You're begging that life's gonna have a person for you that will have the criteria you need in order to function in a relationship. But if you can't find that, your fear is being on that perpetual cycle of loneliness. And you don't want to be isolated. Especially as you age because people don't like growing old, dying and being forgotten. And being unhappy as that process takes place. Because when we think of aging in general, what are we thinking of? We're thinking of a person that becomes irrelevant, a person that has fewer friends, a person that's only valued for their function more so than who they are. Grandma can babysit, that kind of thing. And then you get to a point where you're not really celebrated. You're acknowledged, but you're not celebrated. You have a lack of attention given towards you because of your aging. Because as you become more and more irrelevant socially, as they see it, people don't want to be around older people. I mean, there's a special place because they feel as though they have to put on a facade to be around and patronize you. They have to give you that due respect, but they can't be themselves around. So in this respect, this is one of the reasons why people hate aging so much. then you're embarrassed about the things that you normally would do when you were younger because now people bring shame on that you're in your 60s having sex oh you need to sit down you don't have sex anymore these kind of things and then they associate you with illness with sickness with weakness as a liability now, all these things weigh heavy on people as they age. We don't like saying that because we look at aging as a disease. You get your first gray hair, you're crying, you're plucking it out. You're going to buy some dye because you don't want to get old. In many cases, we, te- we treat aging in a sense like hypervigilance towards cancer or some other disease. times, believe it or not, people are not prepared to age. They don't want to. They're going to fight it with everything they have because they don't want to become irrelevant. They don't want to become about, they don't want to become like the people that they once made fun of when they were in their youth. Old man, sit your ass down until they're that old man that has to sit his ass down because Somebody else is telling them that they're younger. So it's a big fear. As I told you before, God's cruelest joke on humanity and on everything that's living is that it has to die. But we have to 
live within the parameters. And we are so saturated with life and so enamored by it that we want to extend it even when we're not here. That's why we come up with this stuff, the afterlife and all of this, because of the fact that we are in love with living and we don't want to die, we don't want to end. So, older people are disregarded because symbolically they remind people of the inevitable. Now, the good thing about it is everybody has to go through this process if they survive long enough. So, let's look at some of the things that will benefit you. You have more experiences, and the benefit is you don't know when it's going to happen as far as you're going to leave this earth, which is a benefit, even though some people look at it as a burden. The only time it would be a burden if you were confined in a Japanese prison, for instance, and over there they don't tell the people when their death sentence is. It just happens. That's a whole different thing. Because you cannot be doing what you love to do while you're locked up in prison. And it happens to you. But in life you can. Now, the other thing we have to understand too is this. That quest for perfection is a myth. The only thing perfection is for the human condition is to perpetuate optimism. It's the purpose of perfection. It's to keep you going. Striving to do better and not giving up and falling down the spiral of depression. Many people fully utilize it, some people overutilize it, and they become these people that you can't stand to be around that don't tell me anything negative. I only want positive stuff. Until something negative happens to them, and then they crash and burn like somebody off a sugar high. Again, life is a balance. They're going to be good times. They're going to be bad times. there's a prime example of what we do in life. Sometimes we have storms, sometimes we have sunny, hot days. And through it all, what do we do? We survive. But you have some people, metaphorically, they want to go to Miami Beach and enjoy the summer year-round. And then, when a hurricane comes, they're like, oh my God, the world is going to end. I came here to get away from all this stuff. Well, as in life, you can't get away from all that stuff. So we have to soldier through certain things. Now, 
there are some people out there that didn't know the type of person they wanted when they first started dating. And that person that they met who eventually became their ex might have been the first person that showed them attention in their lives. And so therefore, philosophically, they base what they want in the future on that individual. This is my type of person. Well, no, you were more than likely their type of person and you adjusted and adapted and made them your type of person. So in essence, the person had to choose you to give you an inkling of the person that you wanted in your life. So they made the choice for you by choosing you and you chose them because they gave you attention and so therefore this is the kind of person I want as my partner. So if things don't work out between the two of you, you take that template that that person established based on you and you try to apply it to other people that you want that would fit into that category. Doesn't mean that that's the best fit for you. That doesn't mean that that's the best type of person for you. You may not like someone who's maybe 6'5", weighing 250 pounds. But being that that's the first kind of person that appealed to you, that showed you kindness, interest, and those kind of things in the initial stages, it's kind of burned in your head as to, well, you know what? That means that the next person I choose are gonna have those characteristics because that kind of person chose me. And this is how sometimes we form our opinions on what we like in people or how we like them and the reasoning for liking them. We base it on that premise. And therefore, we think, okay, that's the best choice for me. When actually it's not because you really didn't go out and purely select the characteristics, physical characteristics and everything else, the things I mentioned earlier, independent of that person choosing you. I see, that's another distinction. It's not uncommon for women, for instance, to have the manly man persona come to her and say, yeah, I'm a real man. This is what you need. And she says, okay. Because he chose her, she had low self-esteem or she had no sense of direction as to what she wanted. And she went on and then what is the usual caveat you'll hear with some women? Well, you know, my dad was domineering. My dad was this, my dad was that. So, or my uncle was this way or some other male figure that she held in esteem. And before you know it, bam, there it goes. Doesn't necessarily mean that he's the right fit for her, but he chose her. So therefore, she chose him, and therefore she feels as though this is who I should be with. Same thing with men. The guy may not have an interest in large women, but he's getting dissed by all of these other women, and a large woman shows him affection, shows him love, caring, you name it. And then, before you know it, 
things may not work out with him and a larger woman, he goes and gets another larger woman. Because that's the pattern he sees. Ladies, there are some men out there that only date large women because they're good at oral sex. Doesn't mean that every large woman is good at it, but they might have had that experience. And so, a lot of them will stick with them based on their credits. It depends on the person. Larger men may like smaller frame women because the women can squat on them, they can do all kinds of things with them, they can hold the woman up and impale her sexually. Voluntarily, of course, consensual sex only. But what I'm saying is that it depends on the individual and what they were exposed to in some cases, and in other cases, what they fantasize about. So in many ways, the premise for us being together as men and women is largely superficial. We're attracted physically before we're attracted emotionally because we're going to see the packaging before we see the person. The problem is a lot of times we get so focused on the packaging, we never look at the contents of the person. And that's what throws us into bad relationships because, again, we have the halo bias. If they're good at one thing by looking good, they're good at everything by being a good person and everything else. We make that assumption. We do that with people all the time. We go to church, we shake hands with someone we see every Sunday, and we start a narrative about those people, about how great they are, without really knowing them, or knowing what they do at home. Because we fill in the blanks with our bias. So in that way, we have more of a positive view of them. You know, it cracks me up. I watch Court TV every once in a while. When these people get on the witness stand and talk about how wonderful or nice this person is, and then they're shocked to find certain things out about that individual that they had never known, but they gave them the stamp and seal of approval for being this good, upstanding person. It happens. Because, see, the reason why we do this is a protection mechanism to make ourselves feel better. It's an exercise in our own judgment. I made a good choice in saying that Mr. So-and-so is a religious man. And the reason why you want to do that is to have validation for your own judgment. That's what it comes down to. You don't know what the hell that person does when they're off time or when they're by themselves. So you can only make that assessment on what you see externally, what they allow you to see. And so with that, you run with it. And you think nothing of it. I will never forget I made a mistake years ago when I first started working. There was a lady that was my boss, and she had been recently divorced. And she was a nice redhead. She was from Kansas. And she had freckles. And the reason why the freckles are important was because she had a complex about that. And 
one day she called me into her office and we were talking about an assignment we had to do. And she said, I got a question for you. She says, what do you think about men with their opinion about a woman with freckles? I said, well, I think freckles are nice. I don't see a problem with them because she was a very attractive woman. She had more of a reddish tone. She was Caucasian, green eyes. And she's like, I was just curious about that. Now, here's the thing that was interesting. I didn't pick up any vibe that she had liked me at the time because it was strictly professional. She'd gone through a divorce, she had two kids. And so, basically everything was on the up and up. And I'll never forget one day we were leaving, we were last to leave the office and we're going down the elevator. And she made mention, she said, so you like women with freckles? I said, I think they're cool people, you know, I don't see any problem with that. And I'm still wondering why she's so fixated on this. Well, this was an insecurity she's had from childhood. Now, I didn't think much of it at the time, and I had applied for another company. I was going to go and start interviewing with them. So, I told her I was going to give her my two-week notice. She says, well, I'm going to take it personally, but I'm not going to let them know at HR that you're giving a two-week notice because they're going to treat you like shit for the next two weeks. She says, so, I want to make sure you get your full pay because what they'll do is, if I turn this over to them, they're going to cut a check for today and let you go as of today. And she said that this will at least buy you some time. Okay, fine. So we went to lunch. She took me to lunch. Now this woman's been professional the whole time above board. And at lunch she says, so that means you like me because I have freckles. I said, no, I like all people. I'm like, why are you so fixated on freckles? And she said, because I kind of like you. And what dawned on me at that time was she had had a liking for me the whole time but didn't really express it. But here was the caveat. She had never been with a black man before, never dated a black man before, never thought about a black man before. And what she told me. But what it came down to was she was looking for someone that liked her based on her insecurity. Because her husband used to criticize her about her victims. And she left him for that purpose, for that reason. It was kind of ironic. I mean, the day, my last day there, they had the cake and everything. HR was pissed at her because they had no idea I was leaving. And she covered me very well. And to this day, I thank her for that. And that night, she says, I'm dropping by your place in Santa Monica and we'll celebrate together. Came by, opened the drapes, watched the sunset, 
We drank two glasses of wine and had a wonderful night together. And she thanked me that night because I was the first person that accepted her having breakfast as she saw it. Because when she married, they weren't as prominent as they were after they got married. And I thought that was kind of strange. But then I had to learn. Sometimes people will want you in their lives based on your acceptance of their condition, their situation, their insecurity, their behavior, their character, some of the very things they're embarrassed by. And sometimes they will form opinions based on you showing interest in them. And those opinions may change from what they initially had perceived. Because see, as she told me, I had never been attracted to black men, never had liked black men, not because I had anything personal against them, but I thought, they don't like me, I don't like them. I never had to interact with them, never had been around them. So it was the furthest thing from my mind. But it was the fact that she was insecure about that. And then after me, she started dating more black men. But it had to do with the insecurity that was being addressed, the acceptance of it. A lot of people are like that in different ways. Larger people, taller people, not so aesthetically attractive people. People that have conditions of sorts. It depends on the individual. You see, we're all in need of something as human beings. And we try to make ourselves feel better by beating our chest, talking about we're independent, etc., etc. That makes us feel good on the surface. But underneath, there are insecurities that we have to manage. Each and every one of us has to manage those insecurities. And sometimes it's overwhelming for some, and others feel as though I'm going to lock myself off from the rest of the world with my insecurities because it's my problem, I have to contend with it, I have to deal with it, and I'm embarrassed for anyone else to know about. I knew a lady years ago, and she would only date men who were the bad boys. And I mean, we're talking about prison records, that kind of thing. She had a good job. Those were the people that showed her attention. And so therefore, she modeled her whole ideology around men based on the guy that first gave her the attention, told her she was beautiful for the first time, took an interest in her. And when I tried talking to her, I got shot down immediately. Please, I've known you too long. No, uh uh-uh, you're not my type. You're too clean, you're too square. Excuse me. 
Then she got to the point of really insulting me. You're not a real man unless you went to prison. How the, I'm like, how the fuck can you say that? And you've never been locked up a day in your life. But what she had done, she had applied the standards of men that had told her things that addressed their insecurities, that made her favor them over anyone else. And over the years, she paid a lot of bail for dudes, paid for a lot of attorneys, but sadly, she never found true love for many of them. Well, she got used, like toilet paper, but she never found love because she never grew out of that thinking. That was her mindset, unfortunately. And she thought that someday, I'm gonna break through and find a guy that really has these features and characteristics and really genuinely loves me and will grow. She never found it. This is why she's single to this very day. Going in the same pattern of behavior. The only thing that's different now, the guys she's dealing with that still have that pattern of behavior are younger. These people don't grow when that happens. They stay in that orbit. She can come back 10, 20 years later. They're still dealing with the same issues. Because they don't like the growth, because it's unfamiliar. They like where they are. In that static state of not growing. And some of you get in relationships with people like this and you wonder, well, why the hell this person has no ambitions or anything else? That's because they don't plan on growing. They are dwarfed where they want to be. That is their last stage of development where you see them right now. They don't want to grow. They don't want to do anything more because it'll be unfamiliar to them. And a lot of them feel as though, hey, I don't want to have to do anything in order to maintain a relationship or to be in one. I just want to be here and enjoy the moment. And then a person who's integral may be frustrated because this person has no intentions of going beyond where they are. A lot of you ladies will get with guys like that. You're thinking he has potential. Remember that word? But he doesn't put forth any effort with that potential. And he's sitting there waiting for it to happen. It's not going to happen. The reason being, that's as far as it goes. As he sees it, my job is just to attract you and get you interested in me. Then after I have you here, it's to hold you here. Now, if you choose to go on and get someone else, I'm not going to try to stop you because I'm going to hold on to what I have because what I have is comfortable for me. Meaning that I don't have to do anything to get people like you to give people like me attention. And that's what they go by. And what they're used to is the partner doing all the work to try to keep them. It becomes a norm for them. Oh, and by the way, they don't try to help you keep them. They do just enough in order to keep you interested, to keep you striving to help them. But their intention is never to achieve anything. 
Because if they've done that, they defeated the purpose. And the purpose was to keep you perpetually trying with them. To exhaust yourself. And don't worry, they're just going to find someone else to do the same thing. Because that same pattern of behavior doesn't stop. It's going to continue. It's perpetual. Why stop when something's working as they see it? And pretty much that's the way it goes. Now, I know it sounds ridiculous, but then again, you look at some of the things that you've seen on the internet <laughs> that defy belief and understanding. That's the way it goes. The woman that wants the high value man, as an example, to go on that perpetual quest. Maybe a handsome boss that is successful and married gave her some attention. Maybe give her some dick on the side one time or two. And though, so therefore she may look at him as being the ideal man for her. And take that overlay and put it on men that she would like to have in her life. That will definitely fit that particular want that she had. Oh, they're going to stop short of quality though, usually. Mm -mm, that's not going to be so important. Just give me the template. Don't worry about the quality. And if I fail, I'll just dust myself off and try again. That's the way they look at it. And it's the reason why they can always justify it as being somebody else's fault. That's why the relationship didn't work. He was a jerk, he was this, he was that. But this person didn't do their due diligence with the individual in order to find out what the hell they were dealing with. They made the assumption that everything was going to be all right with this person and things were going to work out and they didn't have to do much. Pretty much like automatic pilot. But this is the way some people approach it. Because naturally they want to be the victim afterwards. So they can always say that this person failed me as if they're depending on some kind of consumer product and they have uh, access to a liability claim. It's typical. So, what it comes down to, folks, is this. The things that are going to impact you the most, based on your perception of it, and you bring these people into your lives, and you please, you would have to understand that as you do so, there are consequences associated with these people being in your life. Are you willing to pay that price? Some are, some aren't, some don't know. But it's up to you to make the choice. Well, I have to leave, folks. But I wish you all the best. Take care. All right. We're going to discuss now threats to marriages and relationships. What are some of these threats? There are 10 fundamental threats to them that I can name right off the top. Outside influences, 
finances, both debts and lifestyles, philosophy and religion, health and wellness, age and culture, education, behavior, character, situation and conditions, and non-disclosure. Those are the 10 things that threaten relationships and marriages. And a lot of these things have red flags associated with them when you first get into the relationship with the person and many of you ignore them. What do I mean by outside influencers? You may have this person in your life in a relationship and others may also have designs on that same person that you've chosen to probably have an affair with or to be with and there could be a misinterpretation of kindness and generosity and therefore you may have to be dealing with a situation where this individual is actually trying to take your partner this can also be associated with a lack of communication and consideration in the relationship they may not feel as though they can communicate with you but they can communicate with someone else and they find comfort in that and therefore is more of a favorable situation to disclose some of the problems you're having in the relationship with someone a total stranger a co-worker someone else than your own partner and then eventually you may join an alliance and therefore you may start losing interest in your partner because they have no value anymore you don't trust them as much you don't like them as much and therefore they become irrelevant now finances and debt lifestyles if you guys are not on the same page financially you should be living within or below your means if you're living above your means you're adding to the stress in your marriage, in your relationship. That's going to definitely take a toll on you. This is one of the main reasons why people divorce. There have been couples that have had to divorce because of medical bills, because they qualified for programs being single individuals than they would being married, where they would have more benefits for their children, that kind of thing. That's the reason why national health care would have helped a lot for some people. Where a woman may be able to get more coverage with her children if she was actually single than she would if she was married to her husband. Sad to say, conditions like that do rise from time to time. When it comes down to the philosophy and religion, this may not seem important in the beginning until you have children then you realize he may be Catholic, she may be Jewish, and there may be a conflict or she may be some other religious denomination along with him. That can come into conflict. How the children are reared, who are they exposed to, what things are acceptable, what things aren't. And this can lead to a lot of conflict. Health is another one. You may be a healthy individual, eating right, and yet the partner may not take health so seriously they're not working out they're smoking they're drinking they're doing all these things and then they become an undue burden on you 
later on and this can cause again stress in a relationship or it could be a thing where they could also influence the kids to go against bad habits eating habits and that could be problematic as well the other thing age the older person may be more restrictive than the younger person may try to peddle more influence telling them how to vote telling them how to think telling them how to believe and the younger person in the marriage may feel as though they're an apprentice instead of a partner and then if you put culture on that in order to qualify the deference to the older person you may find someone that's not happy can't express themselves can't share information or their feelings with their partner and therefore they look at it from the standpoint of being isolated and they start of course aligning themselves with people that may listen to them and may be more empathetic again another threat for the relationship to end the other thing education believe it or not there are people that are actually in competition with their partner they may marry a partner that went to college and this person went to high school that person went to college is making twice what they're making as far as the base salary and a way to calculate your base salary take 2080 and multiply it by your hourly wage that's your base salary annually and what happens they may say well I made $70,000 last year the same money you made but yes that person made $70,000 but you made $70,000 with having to work all those hours and this person had to literally work all the overtime and all of this stuff in order to make the same salary you're making and this could be a bone of contention and envy you may not see it in the beginning but it's going to bite your ass in the end especially if it's a man that is insecure who wants to be in charge you'll be envious and you as a woman that went to school and make this salary with the potential of making more and leaving him behind he feels less than a man because he's not the head of household financially he's not the one that has the power to say yay or nay in essence he may be on the side of asking you for things and of course that in itself can be problematic if not addressed the other thing behavior after a while you may get tired of cleaning up the mess after this person has let their feelings just run wild run rampant and it gets to a point where you're done being a diplomat and cleaning up you're done putting up with some of the antics DUIs bar brawls shoplifting you name it whatever the issue is that becomes problematic that you've ignored in the beginning and now it's become a larger issue it might have started out when you went to dinner and a person took the condiments and stuffed them in their purse 
feeling entitled. Oh, they're just going to buy more. They got more money than I do. And then you start noticing later on that they'll tell you, oh, yeah, well, I went to Walmart. I didn't pay for this because it, I, I wasn't going to go and break a $20 bill for this. I just went on and got it. They ask, how did you get it? I just put it in my purse. Because they have normalized that behavior. Something that started out small has now escalated to something larger. Then the person gets caught and they expect you to bail them out. And now you're dealing with a chronic problem that you didn't have to deal with initially. But it grew incrementally. Character. They may be superficial, life of the party, always lying about things about the two of you trying to keep up with the Joneses, trying to top everybody else's story. And you guys can't deliver on it. And it's becoming very difficult for you to manage this individual when you guys are in public. Or when he or she feels as though they're being outdone by someone else. You feel as though it's incumbent on you to make excuses. And after a while, you get tired of the excuses combined with the behavior and the character of the person. And then they take it as if you're coming at them and pointing them out personally by judging them. And of course, they have the old caveat. Well, you know, if you knew how it was, why, why did you decide to come on with this relationship? And they do have a valid point there because you were expecting some kind of change or modification based on you being present in that relationship. Um, hey, bad news for you. People are not gonna change just because of you. They change because they want to. And if they don't wanna change for you, you're stuck with what you got. The next thing, and they'll be changing for themselves, by the way, not you anyway. When it comes down to situations and conditions. Well, you might be taking on a situation expecting for there to be improvement. What if this person does not want to improve? They're content with the way things are. So you meet each other and you're struggling. And the person has an opportunity to change that by taking another job that would pay more with more responsibility. Well, maybe that person doesn't want to take on responsibility. They like the way things are. So they bypass that promotion don't tell you about it until maybe a year later or so and you're saying to me you left you, you didn't pursue that opportunity no I could have had it I didn't want it why not it would have helped the household we wouldn't still be struggling yeah but things are the way things are pretty good the way they are you know we're not starving we're not out there on the street You begin to lose confidence in that person. And you realize that that person does not want to grow. And with that, you're stunted. You're stuck with that individual. The other aspect of it. Non-disclosure. There's some things that have maybe transpired in their lives. or things that they have to be accountable for at some point. And they're not letting you know these things. And the reason why they're not letting you know it is because one, they don't want to be found out. Two, they may not want to be embarrassed. Three, they may feel as though it's none of your business. It's irrelevant. You're in a relationship with them. You're not supposed to be in their business being in a relationship. There are some people that think that way. 
what is mine is mine, what's yours is yours. In essence, what these people are saying is, I want the benefits of a relationship, but I also want the luxury of being independent, single, and autonomous with the things that I know that you don't need to know. That's irrelevant, and if you find out, oh well, you shouldn't have been poking around. This is the way they may think of the situation. And again, they're going to say, well, you signed up for this, so I didn't twist your arm to be in this relationship. That's always their out. But these are some of the most common things that will sink a marriage or relationship. The very things you overlook, and they start out incrementally. They don't start out grandiose. Because you got to remember, people have to be on their best behavior to attract you, to give you the confidence of going forward in a relationship with them. People are going to be themselves at some point, no matter what. The facade lasts for a short period of time. And the reason for that, and when I say a short period of time, I'm not talking a week or a month, it could last for years. The reason for this is because of the fact that before you, they've had rehearsals with other people. They've been found out by other people. They're not somebody's ex for nothing. You got to remember that. For whatever reason it is. Many of the women that I've dated, I'm their exes. Some of them I broke up with because I didn't see any growth or potential. Others saw me as a roadblock into their growth because they were planning on moving to other states to go and pursue careers and jobs and those kind of things. And I wasn't going to sit there in the way preventing them from that. And this is what happens. See, there's two sides of the story. And as we know, the truth is always there. His and her side and the truth. And one thing to keep in mind, if you're somebody's ex, you failed just like that ex did. So it's not something you could just throw on their shoulders. But as long as you have cognitive reasoning as to why you broke up and mutual respect, you guys can actually still get along if you get past your emotions. Why do you think I still get along with many of my exes? Because of the fact that I wanted to make sure that the friendship was the foundation. Now, this is not with every ex, because there's some that we never got to that point. We never got to the point of friendship. And many times, they would say, no, nah, you know, we I'm not going to waste my time going through a friendship. Let's just go ahead and just do this and just see what happens. And every time that happened, I failed in the relationship along with that partner. Because there was nothing really to hold us together besides events, besides going out to dinner, going to events, taking trips and those kind of things. Well, that's not a glue, that's not any kind of glue to hold you together. The only thing that is is to put you in the same proximity as the person. That's all it does. With the other person benefiting from the fact that they are getting free trips, free meals, and those kind of things. And you're supposed to be happy because they give you their company, they give you a little sex, they give you a little attention, but they don't share the feelings with you. And then there you are. 
stuck with somebody that's a total stranger in a relationship. Been there before. No fun at all. I never forget I was on a date with a lady one night and she asked me a question about my background. I told her. And she told me, she said, well, you know what? I can never open up like that. I can never tell anybody about my failures and my setbacks. It's none of their business. I said, so you're telling me then that you aced everything in life. You never failed. You never had a setback. You never could admit to a relationship that failed. No, it was always his fault. And what with the cherry on top was, he met a perfect woman and didn't know how to appreciate him. When she said that, check please, it was over. Didn't need to go any further. That's just like asking a person, what are your strengths and weaknesses? And they tell you, I have none. They're lying, just like she was. I'm not going to sit there and hear any more of her bullshit because I knew then if I accepted that, I had to accept more. And you have to learn how to cut it off when it starts. And that's the hardest thing because I really liked her. She was really nice, pleasant, but it was that. I'd be in a relationship with someone that didn't share their feelings. No thank you. Here's the reason for this. The mystery in a person, like for instance, the reason why Taylor Swift is, is so popular, you know why she is so popular? It's because of the fact that there's a sense of mystery about her. Even with the men. She's got 50 and 60 year old male Swifties because she's the kind of girl these guys wish they could date. And here's another thing. She also has an aura of innocence. Despite what the tabloids and everything has put out there, she's not married, she has no children, she's attractive, she's rich. Let her get married and have children and see how those male fans and followers will drop off. A lot of them will. Some of them will still like her music, without a doubt. Gay males are definitely going to be there. But guess who's going to be her predominant audience, as it is now? Females. Look at what happened with Beyonce. When Beyonce was single and didn't wasn't married, didn't have any kids, oh, men were going to the concert to see Beyonce. They were looking for nipple slips. They were looking for any kind of thing that, hey, they could see themselves sleeping with her. They could see themselves being with her. When she got married and became a mom, it was a whole different perspective. And so they on to the next. And so what do a lot of these female celebrities do? They try to keep their personal lives out of it. Yeah, lust after me, want me. Come to my concerts. That's what you want. You don't know who I'm giving it to every night. I'm not married. I don't have any kids. So the fantasy is still there for a lot of guys. 
they still want to be with her. So they'll ask up money for the tickets. Girlfriend wants to go, he wants to go too. He wants to go to see her. She gets married, has children. Well, the wife still wants to go, the girlfriend still wants to go. He's like, ah, nah, never mind. Let a new artist come out that's single that is really attractive and appealing. And the girlfriend or the wife wants to go see her. Oh, he's right there with her. Ladies, we don't tell you this, but this is the way we react. Because just like you have fantasies about men, we have fantasies about women. And then you got some dudes that literally go to the concerts for one reason. To pick up other women that are there to enjoy the concert. And guys already know, if they want a single mom, a fine-ass single mom, they know they'll go to a Beyonce concert. Because demographically, who's gonna be there? Single moms between the ages of 30 and 40. That can relate to her. Because they're developing in stages like she did. You probably remember the group In Vogue. When they performed with Jodeci. Well, a lot of guys were going to those concerts the women. Erica Bardu, where she would do her shows. That was a prime example. Gave a good show, but what did the men go there for? Well, they go to listen to her music, but they're also going there because guess what? You better call Tyrone. But here's the thing. All those guys wanted to be Tyrone. The reason being, if you listen to the song, she had more confidence in Tyrone coming up to pick his ass up than she had in her own man that she was with. Because Tyrone was more responsible than he was. It's the reason why these guys deliberately went there. And that's not all men. But guys aren't stupid. They go where women are. In the nightclubs, it's the same philosophy. We have ladies' night. Women get in free, what's going to happen? That's going to double or triple the male population that's going to come to the club. Who's going to spend the drinks? The guys that have the money to buy drinks for the ladies. The ladies knew that it was going to be a free night for them. They didn't have to worry about bringing a person, just bringing ID. Because already knew. Some of them didn't even have a ride home. Because they knew they were going to pick up a dude that's going to take them home. And even if the woman was homeless, she knew she had the opportunity to have a man that would take her home 
you finally got food in the fridge and anything she wanted was taken care of. You know, in bars and restaurants, depending on the kind of crowd they want, they arrange the seating a certain way. In a bar when they don't want too many people lounging around, they put seats on the perimeter. And they have a whole bunch of booths and very few seats at the tables. And they have these elongated standing tables as opposed to having chairs there. And they may have one or two, and who is it usually occupied by? A female. So that the men will stand in order to shoot their shot. Because the women are to draw. A friend of mine that ran a bar outside of Los Angeles tried something one night that worked. He said, man, you know what we were gonna do? He said, we got an email list of all of the women. He had purchased an email list from a marketing company of women in their general area where this establishment was. And what he decided to do was to send out emails only to females. No men. The place was packed with females. The fellas found out about it. They came in. The women had the choice seating already. So when the guys came in, many of them were standing. They didn't want to look stupid standing. What did they do? Hit the bar. They started buying alcohol. Started talking to the ladies. It worked. Because see, he learned from other clubs that he had worked at, where they just had ladies night, and then dudes and women were coming in together. And he said, no, you gotta prime the pump first. Because the way it is, the more women there, the more men will come around. And what he did as an added measure was to enhance security in the parking lot so there was no loitering. So the guys couldn't just hang in the cars and wait for them to come out the club. very effective. See, whenever a club wanted to change the clientele, the only thing they had to do was change the music. Maybe put some more paint on the establishment, change the name of the establishment, and start playing a music accordingly. So if you went from a hip-hop club to a jazz club, it was very easy to do. And even the seating was arranged to be more intimate. But these are some of the things that are done in order to, of course, promote business, to make things better. So, when you go into relationships, you have to also structure your thinking in a way where it works to your advantage.
We at Romantic Truth appreciate your listenership. Listeners, you're invited to stream and listen to Jawson's music on Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, Audio Mac, or Deezer. Type in J-A-U-S-A-N in the search for artists to follow and like modern instrumental music from his discography. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those solely of the host and are not condoned or endorsed by Romantic Truth, Anchor or any of its affiliates. The advice given herein is the expressed opinion of the host and not to be used for legal, marital, or family, counseling, or for professional practice purposes. In the event for professional assistance, please contact the local licensed professional family counselor, marriage counselor or social services professional in your region. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. Be advised that all of the background music of production not provided by Anchor is owned by James Adams and Jawson One Music exclusively licensed for this Romantic Truth podcast under waiver. Please understand that there were no people or animals hurt in the segments of this show including plants. All sound effects were improvised in the studio setting with props. We are an equal opportunity employer with two Yorkie poodles and a rat terrier as the security detail. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.